everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I am your host for this morning, who usually you are greeted by Mr. Jordan himself. The PH is silent, but today I got a better DM than Jordan. I have Danimal DM with me. Say hello, everybody, to Danimal. And Danimal, say hello to everybody. G'day, I'm Danimal <laughs> DM, your diligent digital down under dungeon master. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, throw accusations about better dms oh. <laughs> and whatnot how dare you sir <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm starting a beef between between the two already i think jordan's in chat so that's cool um oh, he's hanging out but he's got stuff to do this weekend so he said hey why don't you take the reins of the show and i said oh, i could try that we could i could fuck wrangle somebody up um danimal was not my first choice though uh not to oh. break his heart right here on 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 live i did try <laughs> to get everybody's favorite extra co-host lb hack him up but um she was busy so she missed out too so we got danimal but that's good because me and danimal get to play games together and we can kind of dive into some of the games that he's running for a group of friends that we have and he also runs so many other games that'll be interesting but just like we do normally with our show here we kind of jump into the news and you guys have met Danimal before but he's been on the show before so if you want to check out some of that when we interviewed him a little bit more too he uh you can see that one too. It was pretty cool. Um, so we didn't have a lot of news from Dungeons and Dragons, which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. We didn't see any like new lawsuit information or anything like that. No <laughs> new UA articles or anything for us to have dived into because that would have been fun for me and Danimal to dissect a little bit. But I did notice a lore you should know over on the Dungeons and Dragons channel that was for Dement Liu which is the French domain of dread. Okay. And so if you want to learn about that one, um, you can go over there. It's supposed to be like a, a French grim fairy tale kind of mix. I don't know how, how many of the different domains of dread have you been introduced to, or do you know of I only know of a couple and I know they're interested uh, in a bunch. Primarily, uh, not to uh, name drop this uh, YouTuber you might have heard of, but um, primarily I really only know the ones that uh, Jordan with the silent PH the middle has been posting on his channel. Oh, that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been really digging him there, but, you know, yeah. most of his stuff's all good. Yeah, he's a good kid. I think he's coming up in the world, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and that that's, I'm kind of waiting for him to go kind of through the different domains because there's a lot of them out there that are pretty obscure, that they brought together in this book. And the thing I, I noticed in listening to this video of them talking about it was this is one of the ones that was really abstract. It had a lot of uncongruent pieces to it. And so when they released it in this book, they wanted to condense that and, and turn it into an actual cohesive place and mm -hmm. turn it into, they wanted each of the domains to have their own feel to them so you could run different types of stories in the different domains. They didn't want them to really overlap too much, except that they're like horror-based, kind of darker-based, you know, domains of dread, obviously. They, yeah. They're not going to be yeah, rainbows yeah. and, you know, popcorn. <laughs> well, so. I, they might be if that is what some if people particularly dread. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> if you have a phobia against unicorns, yeah. yeah Indeed. I can see that. Well, I've been to Whimsydale, so. Yeah. So that's going to come out with um, Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft on May 18th. I think that's a book that a lot of fans are looking forward to. Are you a Ravenloft super fan? I'm thinking you were. Um, I am a good fan of anything vampiric. Yeah. Um, and I really dig Strahd. I started 
doing the Curse of Strahd campaign, but that kind of fell out a bit. But uh, I will definitely be purchasing purchasing this on D&D Beyond when it comes out. So yeah. that means you'll be able to have a look at it too if you're interested. Cool, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was one of the actual other questions I had later, but I was going to, did you end up picking up Candlekeep then? I have not yet. <clears throat> I, yeah, I uh, didn't I do plan on getting it at some point, mm -hmm. but at this point in time, it is not useful for anything that I'm doing. But I very much am intrigued, especially from the perspective of running one shots, like regular one shots, because mm -hmm. one of my other groups that I play with, we're thinking about doing the like round robin of you're the DM now, you're the DM now, you're the DM now. And I think Candlekeep would be perfect for that, yeah, personally pretty cool all right well um other than that i did notice uh we we had celeste on last weekend which was super cool and her kickstarter did go live i just uh pledged today i meant to do it earlier and then got busy didn't know what i was doing um but they are already fully funded and they're just blasting through stretch goals at this point she's up to like 57 or 58,000. So she's still doing good, but that doesn't mean to slack off for those of you fans out there. We always like to support those people that are just coming up from the community. I mean, pretty Indeed. much from just somebody who decided to start running games themselves, not affiliated in the gaming industry at all, and now actually going to put a product out there. Something that I just can't wait for kind of this show to do a little bit of that. Jordan's done some of that. I need to get off my, my butt and do more of that because I just... We're not, I like the idea of somebody that just pulls up their bootstraps and just does it. They're just like, I love it so much. I'm just going to put a product out there and put my heart and soul into it and let people enjoy it. And so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think Dan will be, I think you'd be, a, I think you'd be a person that if I was going to do a group of people to bring together to write on a book, I'd, I'd be like, all right, Dan, well, I bet you could write some good stuff up. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to have to up my writing game. Yeah. <laughs> but, Start practicing uh, yeah. a little. <laughs> I definitely, uh, I backed it as well. I only, I only did the uh, PDF. I'm, not made of money, but that is true. Uh, well, that was, yeah, that's another question I was going to ask you. Are you a big Kickstarter fan? Are you out there pledging Kickstarters? Now, I am, am an addict, so you should never, ever do what Lucian does because I spend money like you it's do like water. once a, one a month or something. Um, yeah, it's like one a month. And no, that's yeah. what I'm supposed to do. That I keep okay. doing more, but I'm supposed oh, to right. only do one a month. So I don't know, fifty bucks a pop. You know, I I, I just want to support these creatives that are getting off the ground that necessarily aren't coming from places that they could have got the money anywhere else. I just love the idea of somebody deciding I'm normally an accountant or I'm normally, I go and sell cars at a car dealership or I just have a normal job, but then yeah. I love gaming and I want to, I have this world in my head that when I'm off work, I'm doing this and you guys might enjoy it too. And I'm just like, I want to support that as much as I can. So I, I'm a Kickstarter junkie as far as that. But um, what about you? So you did back this one. Are there other notable Kickstarters you've backed in the past you're looking forward to in the future? Um, well, I've, I've kickstarted some games in the past. Uh, a couple of them might be the board games you see behind board me. Board game stuff there. is good, too. That's a big yeah, one, that's, too. That's been my main uh, Kickstarter for sure. Um, I haven't really done much Kickstarter lately. Yeah. The biggest problem that me and my wife have is Kids. we want things now. <laughs> like we want them today yeah. rather than, ooh, we could get this May next year. And uh, actually the last one we did, I think. We I'm still waiting that. a year for several of them. Yeah. I um, The last one I did that I received was Skinny Minis, which I oh. love. They're um, made by the Dungeon in the Box people. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, those skinny minis are really nice for tabletop play. I really dig them. Yeah. In, oh, yeah, you're a big miniature to... guy, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another problem we anytime that's we the other problem nature. yeah we just got a frog hemoth very nice. nice we also uh bought a, a game which uh came out i think this week which was munchkin mighty nine munchkin, munchkin. from that's critical really role good. yeah we haven't played it yet but i've been looking at the cards anybody who is a critical role of mighty nine fan every single card will make you go oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> over and over again with all the quotes on it and the interesting art i am a big fan nice very cool yeah i forgot that originally when we talked you kind of started board games wise you did a lot of board game nights and it moved into tabletop role-playing stuff yeah, so, yeah, yeah. i regrettably haven't been playing as many of these as we used to because like we could play board games or we could get another session in <laughs> yeah so... <laughs> Oh, there's my my dogs and telling me my wife is home. So without too much news, we really have um, some different things. We can just talk about anything at this point. So I think we can jump into some of the game stuff because one of the cool things, um, I want to talk about our game a little bit. Maybe I'll dive into mm -hmm. it early out of order for you guys out there. But um, we've been playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, Danimal is a big fan of playing the official content that gets put out. In fact, I don't know if I've played in a Danimal only world. I think I've only played with you in, because you love buying the big modules and you love running the, or I, I am assuming you buy those big ones because you love them. Because we played Tomb of Annihilation, which again, hands down has been my favorite module ever, probably thanks to you running it really well. Um, but you've done other ones. I've heard you've done, like you've done the starter set with your family, I think. You've done... Fandelver, I think you've you've actually ran. What are some of the other yeah. ones you've run so far? So I've run Fandelver and I've played in Fandelver. Uh -huh. My son actually run ran me through the Essentials kit, and yeah. uh, that was that was good. Um, yeah, I've done I've done two games of Tomb, two games of Dungeon Heist. In the middle of two games of Mad Mage, mm -hmm. um, I started Strad, and I'm hoping to get back into it soon. Uh, very soon, I'll be starting. Uh, what's it called? The hell one, um, Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. Yeah, Descent to Avernus, yeah. And um, there's only been two games that have been homemade by me. One I'm still playing right now, which is, it's set in Eberron, but I've been homebrewing it. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a Theros game that I've been homebrewing, and that has actually been my favorite recently. I've been really <laughs> enjoying that one. Because you have a lot of freedom to kind of really explore cool ideas that, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So that's cool because you don't get a lot of um, dungeon masters that are going to, they might play a official module and then kind of put it away after that. But you've actually back to back in several of these and, and four of them at this point, Tomb of Annihilation, Dragon Heist. Uh, oh no, I guess it'd be three. And then right into Dungeon of the Mad Mage. You've run two full groups that are crazy bonkers groups through these modules <laughs> and almost nearly at the same time are just really close, close back to yeah, back. Yeah, my other group was about, I would say about four to five months in front of you mm -hmm. uh, with a delay with a baby being born, which was entirely selfish. I think they're only about two months in front of you now. And it started out as, oh, if I'm streaming online, I should do something I'm comfortable with. 
I should throw you guys into Tomb because I'm currently DMing Tomb. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gets flowed on from there where where it also cam- came down to money. Hey, I already own Tomb of Annihilation on Roll20. Yeah. yeah, that works out. <laughs> Well, if you want to, you want to run any of the other modules, I'll buy them for you. Because if you want to run, you know, because I've always wanted to play some of those other ones too. Eventually, Mm -hmm. down the road, we've got our hands full with Dungeon of the Mad Mage. But um, definitely, your players and players out there should pitch into their dungeon masters, help them out. Because yeah, he's a guy with a full family. He's got a board gaming (laughs) hobby. He's got a miniature war gaming hobby. He likes to paint those kinds of things with terrain. And then he's also trying to do the TTRPGs, and that's that's pretty good. So what have you learned? What's What do you think something that's unique? Because I've not ran the same exact campaign with different groups, although I guess Revenar is that way in a little bit because I was running different groups. But it wasn't like they ran the same adventure. Like everybody got to go out and do the same thing. Yeah. What, is you, what do you think is beneficial? What do you think has been great about running two different groups through the same adventures? Well, I'll say that you guys get the better end of the stick because the amount of times where I'm like, oh yeah, I understand how this room works. And then they get into it and then they ask a question and I'm like, um, I think it's 20 feet high or, yeah. you know, like th- there's so many different things where, okay, so I don't want to criticize Mad Mage because it is a great book, but there, because it is so large and the maps are so big and there's so many rooms, Mm-hmm. there are a bunch of errors or mistakes or things that aren't really oh, yeah. fully fleshed out. And I've discovered those in the other game. And then I've written myself notes for when you guys get up to that, here's how this works. One recently uh, there, they recently finished level eight Ooh. in the dungeon. And I had so much trouble wrapping my head around one section to the point where like, I even just read them word for word what it said and we worked it out together and it's like this is how it works no no this is how it works and (laughs) after about an hour and a half we have it down and then now when you guys get up to it it'll be a cinch (laughs) yeah so that's cool yeah i could see where i was thinking that too like prep for that second campaign game is going to probably be less like you're saying you're going to be way more familiar with the sticking points that you find throughout any module because there's always going to be because a lot of times they're very good about giving you a sentence that reads like you understand what's going on right up until you have to run your party through it and they're asking you a million questions about well what's this do or what's that do and you're just like oh none of that was mentioned so i've got to really think on my feet or that you're right that does contradict what it says i don't know why i didn't catch (laughs) that when i read it you know or whatever so that's pretty cool. What's the downside? Do you have a downside to trying to run too? Is there any things that you Remem- don't like? Remembering what happened <laughs> on each level, because uh, I was definitely like, did did they did they befriend that NPC? No, they killed that NPC. No, wait, is it alive? And usually, I check my notes. I I unfortunately take better notes with my home game than I do with our online game because yeah. I can always go back and watch. Right. So I don't keep as uh, as good notes. But uh, there's been a few times where I've almost been caught out where I said, and you know how this works because of this. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I mean, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it happened actually recently where you guys finally figured out the first portals how the portals some of the portals work in mad Mm -hmm. in mad mage and my players that's something that is very different and i think it might have something to do with the online play and the at home play because some my players were stuck 
in the one spot no we are figuring out this this portal two hours later they finally figured out the way of opening it mm-hmm. while on an online game i feel like you guys might be less inclined to go let's sit around all at our computer screens and think and not do anything for a little bit while yeah it's a bit more reasonable at, at in a in a comfortable space rather than online so mm-hmm. i totally get that from online play perspective but yeah, they've they've tried to figure out every single portal as soon as they get there. Oh, but yes. at the same time, two of the players are those kinds of people where they can't leave any stone unturned. <laughs> They've got to go around every corner. Everything must be solved always. Yeah. And then I am a mean DM when I say, okay, so you guys are done with that level? You finished? <laughs> you missed three secret rooms. Okay, next level. Let's go. And it kills them every time. Yeah, so I think our group is definitely an action oriented group we want to yeah. get to the action sometimes uh, although we get stuck on weird things every now and then like yep. i'm pretty sure going back to our game and i'm not going to care about spoiler we me and jordan were talking about this that i was trying not to ever do spoilers about our campaigns but i, I feel yeah. like maybe that was the wrong thing like if you don't want to hear spoilers about you know dungeon of the mad mage then i'm gonna put my hands up and then the next time i wave my hands like this we're back so you can mute but we decided at one point, due to a player in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, just to go to Xanathar's lair. Totally just coming off of doing something different in the session before, probably having a plan or an idea of what we might do in the next session. And then we just all of a sudden said, yeah, we're going right to Xanathar's um, you know, area. Yeah. And just like, what? <laughs> what did you think when that was happening or as it was happening? Or did you get... Did they tip you off sometime during the week that they were going to do that? I can't well, remember. Here's the, convenient, if you did. here's the convenient thing. It's exactly what my home group did. They ah. charged Xanathar's <laughs> lair, and I was very fluent with how that whole area works because um, it was part of the storyline where one of them was very, very, very against the Xanathar guild, and they were sick of all the um, sick of all the you know, the bugbears and the, yeah, I hated uh, that town. I, I wanted to go there to map it, but everybody in that town made me just want to punch him in the face. So it was like, of course and I'm not going to like Xanathar. And that's one of those sections that I mentioned before where Skullport is, is empty, 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 yeah. empty. It, it like, if I was a more diligent dungeon master, perhaps <laughs> I could have filled it up with more stuff, but D de- and I did, but mm. defaultly there's nearly nothing there. So it's an area, like, that's an area, if Dungeon Masters are playing that, you're going to want to definitely flesh out a little bit. And they probably do yes. leave some of that in there so you can um, to try to figure it out. Yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. struggling with the idea that if you step back from Dungeon of the Mad Mage, um, it's supposed to be people, adventurers worldwide will come to the portal and drop down and go adventure but all mm-hmm. of this hasn't felt like there's a million adventurers wandering around. You know, it, it well, doesn't feel like that at all. <laughs> I think the biggest part of that is, especially in the first two levels, you guys kept coming across areas where here's a chest, it's empty, yeah. or here's the bones of a wyvern, or here's a Medusa that is turned to stone, where it implies that previous adventurers have already cleared this bit. Mm-hmm. And something that i've been doing as a way of keeping it a bit simpler and i guess kind of making it a bit easier on you guys is when you leave the idea is the dungeon repopulates a little bit and i do that to a certain degree 
but I'm also working under the proviso that part of the reason you're mapping it for ACK Inc. is they're kind of taking over. Mm -hmm. And so once you've cleared it out, they send control groups in to keep it clear again to a degree. But yeah, it could be a bit more fleshed out. Did you regard. did you do the ACK Inc. tie-in? Because really, actually, we're playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage and we actually even started playing um dragon heist with the ack inc book tie-in was that with your first group too you did the same thing with them uh no and they were jealous after ah. i uh <laughs> after i told them the benefits you guys get and how it helps and they're like can we do that mike no sorry <laughs> no, sale. Different game. <laughs> <laughs> you're so mean that's awesome i think that's all yeah because that was a I like the idea of bringing things together when you like mechanics. Like, I mean, right now you love the Theros mechanics. So bringing Theros mechanics into a campaign that's maybe not Theros, but that doesn't mean you might not want to bring some of those really cool and fun mechanics in and have, you know, some of that cool stuff. And I think at Inc. works with our group only because we're a little bit goofy. We definitely are definitely greedy. We're on the shady side of adventures. We're definitely not the the mighty heroes of the town. We're more like the yeah, we'll do it, but what are you paying us? Kind of adventurers, you know, of, I, of the I, group. I'm actually really <laughs> happy with the level of buy-in that uh, all of uh, you guys have done. Like with Ward being the uh, robot that's like, well, what would the company think? And he has to work for what the company wants to do. And I really yeah. dig all that. Yeah, yeah, we kind of dive into that whole corporate side of stuff. And, and yes. <laughs> there's definitely some unique personalities there with our, our group that are, are jiving together in a, in a fun in a fun way. <laughs> That's a polite way of saying it. Yeah, if you're not watching it, if you're not watching it, you're seeing us do some crazy, crazy stuff. And we fight with each other constantly too. So that's the other thing. There's a lot of tension in our group at times too. I think, which is pretty fun. Um, I would be, in, I would love to have been able to watch your other group go through the same thing. That's the one thing I miss is that I would love right. to say, cause um, I've watched other people run through tomb of annihilation now and it mm -hmm. makes, it's kind of fun to go, Oh, that's how they did that. Or that's how that dungeon master handled that piece or, Oh, I had no idea that was there. Or maybe it even wasn't a part of it. Maybe it was just something mm -hmm. the DM created. But it's cool to see how different ones would go through. So I've seen a lot of Tomb Annihilation ones just because I love the adventure so much. And um, it's been fun. But I would have loved to have seen like how your group handles. Not not before we went through it, but definitely yeah. after after the fact to go, oh, so that's what they did on level three. Or how well, did they handle the, the Xanathar fight at that point? Yeah, That's what one of my... Um regular watches is he, he he gets to do exactly what you want where mm -hmm. he's been playing in the home game and then he watches you guys do it and then he's like oh okay <laughs> at some point we should do a mix of the groups we should do a couple of sessions where there's some type of body swaps or something <laughs> and like maybe a couple of their players get to play with our group for a night or two and a couple of our players get to play with them and maybe you just set up a tv at your table or something so they can be remotely there for your game i think it'd be fun if there was a, a mixing of the groups a little bit or something or well, maybe a one shot that we could play together with some of those some of those if we like if your we wife. ever did that all of my games are always on roll 20 because we use a digital TV as a yeah. tabletop. So it's something that is quite easily done. Yeah. I will say the biggest difference I think was the frog Hemoth fight in tomb of annihilation. Yeah. That's a good one. Tell that one. I love this story. So this is a good yeah. one. <laughs> so with my home group, one of them got eaten 
and mm-hmm. the whole fight was we've got to save her we've got to save her and it was just like this close that they saved her she had already failed two death saving throws someone had to climb in open her up and cast cure wounds inside revive her but then she went down again from the body acid and then they had to pull her out and revive her again because with tomb of annihilation there is no revivify you cannot yeah. come back if you yeah. fail three death saving throws and i i thought for sure she was dead i'm like she's gonna yeah. die she's gonna die she's gonna die and she didn't someone else did later on but that frog hemus fight was like the pinnacle for a long time now let me like, interject a second before you yes. say the next part so when mm-hmm. i went through tomb annihilation and we fought the frog hemus different group ran by a different dungeon oh, master yeah. the same thing happened to me my barbarian got swallowed I'm fighting it from the inside. I'm raging out. The last kill of the frog hemoth kills it, but the acid kills me too. And it requires our cleric to dive into the mouth to try to heal me and and get me out before I'm actually dead. It looks like I'm gone at this point. It's like one yeah. round of, it goes one way or another. And if you don't make the rolls, that's it. That player's gone or whatever. So the yeah. same thing happened. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And when I played the second time, I didn't know I didn't know any of the things that you're about to mention about the frog hemoth. <laughs> and I tried not to do any strategizing or any warning because I was I was looking forward to letting them realize what was about to happen to yeah. all of us. So they were were doing all kinds of things that I thought was dumb knowing what was there, but I'm like, no, let's yeah. do the dumb things because this is gonna be good. Okay, now tell the second part. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I thought you did a very good job of not bowing out but stepping back <laughs> yeah. and allowing people to yeah. have their own ideas but that fight was a complete cakewalk you guys took zero damage the frog <laughs> did zero damage i yeah. i rolled really poorly for initiative mm-hmm. and someone cast coal lightning and that was it yeah game over it, and it, i did lightning bolt and i think yes. somebody else did call lightning yeah and it was we had no idea. I mean, absolutely no idea. And this isn't always true because we have a lot of knowledgeable players that sometimes our our player knowledge is leaking into our character knowledge. We do a good job of trying not to, but it, it still kind of does a little bit here and there. But I had no idea. I, I had no idea there was a weakness to this at all. And it was the right weakness, which was so good. Oh, it was <laughs> And it yeah, was, so, uh... so that gets hit by lightning. And then what happens to a frog hemoth when it gets hit by lightning? Uh, effectively the same as the slow spell they all of a sudden their whole technique of grappling people hitting it with the tongue biting it to swallow it all in one turn is gone instead it can do one One attack attack per turn its ac goes down by two it uh i think it also gets worse deck saves Mm -hmm. it was it was bad yeah we tore okay and then i believe the paladin proceeded to smite it with two level three smites that rolled very well (laughs) and i think it got one i think it only got one or two turns of combat both of which could only do one thing and it requires two things to swallow and it Mm -hmm. could not swallow and i was very sad yeah yeah i will say this though um both both games Mm -hmm. two people identified with the frog hemoth so much in my home game the person who was eaten was like I got eaten by the frog hemoth. Now I want to. I want the it. essence. I want. I like it. They, they weren't mad at it. They liked it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then the same thing happened with uh, yeah. Corridan, where he's like, "Oh, I really love the idea of the frog hemoth so much." And then when it came up again, they're like, "I'm going to get that frog hemoth." <laughs> it was very interesting. 
That is funny. I do notice, do you notice in our game, so you play, um, I think people might have picked it up, but a lot of your games are at the table. Mm-hmm. And you have our online game, which is through Roll20. So there, obviously, we've all talked a million times about differences of that. But I wonder about one thing specifically, the dice rolling. I feel like our group has a higher than average rate of rolling well. And you have a higher average rate of rolling low as a DM. Though there are times when you've had some good stretches but most of the time, it's not the dice are not with you in a lot of things where I think, oh, this thing could have been cool and he was expecting it to be cool. But then somebody made the save or he didn't roll what he needed to roll. Or you rolled like for seven creatures to do something and not a one of them rolled over a four or something. And it wasn't even that we just have high AC, which is a problem, but it was you were just rolling bad anyway. So then it just kind of made it. Is your group that rolls at the table where do you think the dice level is? Do they get the better of it or do you get the better of it at the table? And then how do you feel about the online? Do we get the better of you and and you feel like you're getting not as good or are you seeing it a different way than I see it? Um, One thing is very key in regards to that, in regards to me failing a whole bunch. I play the monsters kind of how I think they would react. If If they've got a high int or whiz, then there's a good chance they might do something smarter. But the amount of times where I look at their stats and they've got negative in both, I'm like, they're just going to smash against these two over 20 AC characters in the front while everyone's in the back. So I'm just going to keep missing. But yeah, there's been quite a few games where I've been rolling very poorly. That being said, the game after you guys in Theros, there's been times where I've been rolling very well to the point where we nearly finished that campaign and this is also online roller and i did over 200 points of damage to a player in Ooh. one turn of attacks where i guess kept rolling 18 on the dice 19 on the dice 17 mm-hmm. on the dice i did not roll under 15 for so many attacks and he was nearly destroyed yeah it's been interesting but yeah um I don't know. I don't know if I roll better on one or the other. In regards to rolling real dice and digital dice, there are sometimes like I prefer if I'm rolling for a single guy, I want the feel of real dice. I, we have dice towers. We have excellent yeah, dice. I, my dice tower. I I name my dice and I say, <laughs> "Oh, Cthulhu's going really well today," and mm-hmm. that makes my players go, "Damn it, Cthulhu!" or "Damn it, Golden Boy!" or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, almost. Uh, anthropomorphizing the dice and then the players hate them they are a character in the game they're like the third party of the game yeah while if i'm throwing a fireball i am typing slash r 8d6 because i don't want to count eight dice yeah adds it all up (laughs) figures out all your bonus that's what i love and i know i'm i think i'm exactly the same way i love the idea of rolling dice i love the idea of having my paper character sheet in, in front of me at times but Khan has gotten so complicated. Khan, my Aarakocra Arcane Archer, at this point, if I didn't have an electronic character sheet, I'd be lost at this point because there are so many crazy bonuses going on with weird mm-hmm. things and things I have to try to remember that I love the electronic character sheet for the math that it's yeah. doing. For Sharpshooter and then the bonus to archery and then the bonus to from the bow and the bonus from the arrow I mm-hmm. might shoot and then it might be one of my poison-tipped arrows. You know, so there's like all this crazy yeah. stuff that gets in there. Um, have, have, um, have you used much of Beyond 20 at all? 
Not as much as I should. Um, I do to create the initial character, but we start to get in such weird places grabbing some things that sometimes I can't get the the D&D Beyond character sheet to, to in there, the plug-in, to work quite right as much as I, I love the character sheet. Because I can go yeah. in the character sheet and manipulate the math, and I understand it so well because I'm a dungeon master of Roll20, that I know exactly mm-hmm. where to put the bonuses. I, I know what to toggle on or off to make things work, which is nice. Yeah. Because for the past seven or so months for the Pharaohs game, uh, three of the four players have been using Beyond 20. And it's been mm-hmm. interesting with that, where we've been slowly watching it evolve. And it's actually gotten really good. Lately. Well, I haven't tried it in a while. So yeah, you may be yeah. right. I may need to go back. I know Logan uses it quite a bit in our Yeah, game. he does. Yeah. So what he's talking about there, Beyond 20 is a plug-in for your browser oh, that will yeah. link to your D&D Beyond account. So that when you're logged into like a Roll20 game, you can use that um, plugin to push roles and things to the mm-hmm. to the actual screen, which is nice. So it can something we re- something we recently found out with it. If you name your character the exact name as your D and D Beyond character, it auto updates the HP on Roll Twenty. Oh, that's nice. And too. so that's that's been really nice. Yeah, because it's a little wonky on. Um... DD Beyond changing the hit points the way it works, but even roll 20 is a little wonky too, because you can change it on your token or you can change it on your sheet, but sometimes those aren't linked and blah 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 blah. Yeah. 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 The amount of the amount of times that I'm like, oh, have I not set up this token properly? Mm-hmm. It can be frustrating. And then I think I've saved it. Then I pull it from the menu again. No, I didn't update it. No. <laughs> but um I will say the only thing I don't like beyond 24 is when something has multiple values. So if somebody was to cast, say, uh, spirit or spirit guardians, yeah, yeah, spirit because guardians. spirit guardians can be necrotic damage or radiant damage, so it rolls three d eight necrotic and three d eight radiant, or chromatic mm-hmm. orbs even worse, where it rolls three d eight of each of the damage types. Gotcha. And I'm like, I surely you could program that a little bit better, so it only, roll, only rolls the one three d eight, but yeah what ifs well and there are some other character sheets that are out there i think we're using the base one and i I wonder if any of those because i've tried those a couple years back and some of them were pretty good but then i went back to this one that we use now um but there are people out there making character sheets and you know i love character sheets so Mm -hmm. some of them i've I've toyed around with a couple of them some of them look great but i prefer the basic on roll 20 yeah yeah so well that's cool i i like the idea so you don't feel like the dice are any different you still feel like they're random enough that they're i just feel like they're when I play at a table, I feel like it's really random. Like my dice mm-hmm. are absolutely random. I get the impression that when I'm playing online, I'm just, I roll well all the time. Rarely, except if it's a save I really need to make. That's the only thing I always lose. But my attacks are usually above average, pretty good. Um, the damage rolls are usually really good. I'm not getting a lot of low rolls when I play online for some reason. Really, And Logan's throwing 20s out like they're going out of style. When he's rolling. I mean, he is rolling for three attacks because of his Barbarian every single turn. Almost four if he does something else. But I feel yeah. like he throws 20s out constantly <laughs> when he rolls. <laughs> it's just amazing to me. So well, that's uh, cool. Um, write a note not to give him a vocal. Yeah, weapon. check his check his uh, macros. Maybe there's something going on in there. Uh, no, <laughs> so it's pretty... I think what's cool is um, the idea that you you have a lot of easier prep if you're going to run it again you understand it more i would love like i did that with storm king's thunder storm king's thunder is a hard one to run the first time through but i bet the second time you run it 
it's a way better for that group because you've tried to figured out all the weird stuff um in, in storm king center i'd be interested to see how you ran storm king center because it's a much it. bigger sandbox version adventure than any of the ones you've ran before even tomb annihilation although how much jungle delving did your original group do because we didn't we went right to yeah the city I, really i sped through that because i felt like too much dungeon de- uh j- jungle delving wouldn't have been that good to watch mm-hmm. but uh yeah with my home group uh they they did it fully legit they had to keep track of water food travel mm-hmm. x amount of hexes per day check to see if they got lost and did they, they enjoy really... that part of the game yeah did they like they did. that yeah it's it's interesting as well because for most of them it was their first experience for D mm-hmm. and they they really enjoyed it but then when we played uh dragon heist afterwards they were like oh this is so much easier oh <laughs> we don't have to worry about water and weather and, we were playing yeah. hard mode where it's like you it's very hot you get yeah. exhaustion easy you need water you need food you need to protect yourself from insects yeah and then now it's like we have a house mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're in a cool city that has everything we need and we're just doing cool adventure stuff That's indeed cool. So they're they're pretty far along on Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, you gonna take them to twenty? You think, or are you gonna route them out of there at some point? Well, uh, I'm hoping to get all the way down. Um, all right. Their campaign is gonna be different to yours, though. Once the lower it gets, because I'm tweaking theirs in one way and I'm tweaking yours in a different way. I don't like the vanilla Mad Mage. Yours mm-hmm. is gonna be tweaked in this way. And there's, I've already have all these underlying things where they're slowly figuring it out, but time will tell as to how that all will work. That's cool. Um, <laughs> speaking of getting to 20, my Theros game will hit level 19 in their next session. This has got to be your first high level game then, right? You haven't played, ran a high well, level game, have you? Well, that leads into my bardic inspiration. Oh, okay. Well, we'll save that here in a second. We're, we're at a good time for, <laughs> I decided because Jordan the curmudgeon was gone. No, that's not true. I'm just teasing him why he's not here. Um, we have been doing the uh, cool um, kind of our, our monster compendium thing, which has been fun because we wanted to switch up bardic inspiration. But we did have a lot of people say they liked bardic inspiration. We knew we'd want to bring it back every now and then. And I had such a good idea or at least in my mind, that I was like, I need a bardic inspiration. And when I finally got the chance that Jordan wasn't going to be here and I got down, I'm like, we'll do bardic inspiration again. So welcome back to, I won't play the the tune or anything. I was thinking about doing a splash screen and doing it all, but yeah, I'm too lazy for that. (laughs) But welcome to bardic inspiration, which is a part of our show where we like to, as dungeon masters, we are influenced by the things we um, read or watch or see somewhere. And then it starts to get our minds rolling because as dungeon masters, the one thing you do all day long when you're doing other mundane stuff is think about how you could do a campaign off of something or how you're thinking about one of your games or you're thinking about your next game you want to run. And so there's always these ideas in there going along. So that's why I love Bardic Inspiration. Let's start off with, let's just jump in. I'll let you go. So you had your Bardic Inspiration laid on us. What kind of cool idea could you give to Dungeon Masters out there for campaign setting, new rules, something cool and creative? Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily that creative, (laughs) but um, as I'm sure you're aware, Lucian, Mm -hmm. I've been playing a bunch of Diablo. Yes. Uh, 
big Diablo fan, have been for a very long time since the original Diablo. Mm. And it's interesting, once I saw Mad Mage, all I could think about was Diablo 1. When you're in right. Tristram the first time, you go down, you come back up, you go down, yeah. you come back up over and over. And um, it that got me thinking recently. Uh, once I saw the, um, once I saw the, theros guide i was like i need to play a game in theros i need to play a game mm -hmm. what am i going to do what am i going to do and i thought up this whole idea with the heroes of the gods mm -hmm. and i was thinking about i was playing diablo at the time and i was thinking about how oh it's so nice to get quick level like you get the really high gear things that give you so much experience and then you can quickly level up to level 70 straight away mm -hmm. and get into the action and I was thinking about that in the perspective of the players and the gods, almost seeing the gods as the high level players, which are helping you gain experience quickly. Mm -hmm. And the players being the newbies that want to quickly yeah. get up to the end game <laughs> content. And so I I've been constantly empowering them with the gifts from the gods, both by the piety system, as well as various items, which are useful to them. But at the same time, they've also just been, the chosen of the gods and so they just gain so much experience so quickly to the point where they're leveling up about every two or three sessions mm -hmm. to the point where we are now they're about to get to level 19 and we're right near the end game content and uh it's been a very interesting experience because i've never dm'd past uh what my home mad mage group is right now which i think they're level 11. yeah that's and right about that's where everybody quits <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's been very interesting setting up encounters for level 15, 16, 17. The biggest thing was when they got level nine spells. Uh, one of my characters last session. World shaking spells, yes. Media swarm. Ooh. And the dice roll for that was rather big. And then the, like even the player was taken aback when I put down three 48, uh, 40 radius Mm -hmm. spheres down and they're like that's actually really big and they were able to <laughs> hit everybody they there was a little bit of uh danger close but you get that it yeah. happens <laughs> uh but it's been a very interesting experience with the quick leveling and there's uh, i've since i've been doing it, and it's not just a brand new idea i've got some insight on it from the perspective of yeah it is very engaging they're like what do we have now what do we have now what do we have now where i've been giving them high powered items nearly every session like somebody gets mm -hmm. something nearly every session and they're leveling up every two or three sessions where there's always something new and so the engagement and the like the happiness and the joy of always getting stuff and getting closer and closer to the end is great the very big downside is the amount of times where they get a new ability and it gets overlooked or they get a new ability that they think will work, mm -hmm. but they don't have time to test things out. They don't have a random fight against goblins to go, I'm going to try out. Uh, the most recent one was Tense's Transformation. One mm -hmm. of my characters thought that'd be a great move. I'll cast Tense's Transformation. I'll get 2D, 8 or 10 force damage on each attack and I get to attack twice. But it didn't work out because they needed to be cast more spells and they couldn't move around. And they realized with the way that they play that spell just didn't, didn't mesh, but mesh, yeah. because <laughs> <clears throat> all of the encounters are epic encounters, like everything is massive, this or lots of that. There's no, nearly everything's deadly. Nothing is mediocre yeah. because everything is always ramped up to 11. 
there's no space to test out new ideas <laughs> and either something sticks or something gets abandoned right. and or they're getting so many new stuff regularly that they're like oh Hurry on to the next thing yeah, i got yeah. this three levels ago apparently i've been able to go invisible as a bonus action <laughs> by wisdom modifier times per day yeah or something like that and yeah. various things get overlooked so that is the downside but i gotta say that's playing diablo 3 though like if you're a brand new player <laughs> who's not looking at everything that's going on you're like and things are popping up and you're like what did that do what does this thing do and what does yeah. that thing do <laughs> i will say though as a dm i've had a lot of fun with it because cool. i want my characters to be strong i want yeah. them to level up and I don't think this will be the last game I play where I'm speed leveling up. Yeah. If I'm not playing And you get campaign. to dive into the big monster part of the book that you've never gotten to dive into before. You get to pull out the big CR stuff that's yeah. only been pictures and you only read about, but you haven't got to actually try to figure out. Your, as a dungeon master, it's sometimes hard to figure out all the abilities of your big bad and try to use them all cohesively until you've yeah. tried it once or twice. So I got to imagine even that's got to be tough. What's been fun is if you've had a uh, excuse me, if you've had a look at the uh, Theros, uh, the bosses, the or the monsters in general, I've used every single one except the highest CR, and that bad boy's coming, old Trumacratus. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. he actually killed one of the characters' parents, so it's going to be a very interesting fight. That one, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, they've. That, yeah it's it's been really great because that was honestly the main thing i saw mythic monsters and i'm like i want my characters to fight this yeah yeah how do <laughs> I, I get really in there yeah so yeah. really i like the idea of the bardic inspiration and i have I, it, obviously when we come up with these things a million other people have had the same ideas but i have had the thought too of so we could see more of the content what if they leveled up once a session. So you create a nice yeah. big four-hour session. It was an all-inclusive adventure. But at the end of it, you tell them, hey, you guys are level two. See you next week. And then we do it again. Hey, you guys are level three. See you next week. I always thought that would be a really fun thing to do. But you're definitely listed out the good. Keep in mind, here's your pitfalls. Here's the cool things yeah. about it. Here's your pitfalls. Be ready for that. So I've always thought that'd be cool. Maybe maybe one a session is a little too much. But you've been doing two or three. So that might work out too. But a mm -hmm. speed level, and it sounds like heavy magic items in D&D. 5e is not known necessarily for heavy magic items for players. They've moved all the abilities and all the power to the classes and the race abilities and all the things they can pick up with subclass stuff and some magic items. And they even limit you because you can only attune to just a couple. D 5e is not a magic item heavy game like a Diablo 3 where they're they're sprouting out like you know little you know weapon fountains or you know they're yeah. oh I want to pick up that gold item I want to pick up this item you know so I I kind of want to get back to a tabletop RPG that does have a loot fountain and maybe your abilities aren't coming from you yourself or your class so much as all these cool items that are thrown around that you can just pick and choose and do. So I think that'd be interesting. I think that's a pretty good bardic inspiration. That's a good one. I like it. Um, so I had one I've been reading a book. This one's inspired another one by a book and uh, it was a cool idea. And it's a little bit about uh, me and Jordan have been talking about he's creating his new system and how he wants to do magic and stuff and how you get mm -hmm. abilities and how you can pick yeah. and choose a modular put them together. So this book's based around there's adventures and you can become an adventurer once you have essences. You pick up these essences. A person can have four total. And when you get one, 
under that essence, you can get abilities that are related to that essence. So an essence could be like a fire essence. An essence could be like an animal essence. An essence can be all these different things. And then you mm -hmm. could possibly at some point pick up an ability that's going to go with that essence. You get five of those. So since you can have four, you can eventually get 20 abilities that you're going to build to as a high level adventure, which I like the idea of. But here's the part that really picked it up for me in, in the book. Once you get another essence, a second, a third, or a fourth, the way the world works when it's randomly giving you abilities is trying to create a synergy between the essences you picked up. So if mm -hmm. me and you picked up fire, and that was the only one we had, and then it might give you an ability to do a, a flame stream attack, just streams out like a flamethrower maybe. And then I might get a flame attack, but maybe mine's a ball that travels, like a fireball kind of typical sure. thing. So we're still fire essence. We still got an ability. It's just fire based, nothing to it. But if I then pick up a wind essence and you pick up a water essence, the, the overall magic of the world is going to try to synergize those two things. And the next abilities you get are going to come synergized between me with fire and wind and you with fire and water. And it's going to start really diverging and really coming up with it. So in the book, the character had some interesting ones. He had like a, a sin was one and he had uh, punishment and he had, um, I'm trying to remember the other ones. He, Doom was an essence and he had a different <laughs> one. And what he turned into was kind of like a sin eater. He would go okay. around and he would pull afflictions off of his teammates. And then that would give him bonuses to power up or heal or do something by taking bleeding away from them or disease away from them or some debilitating thing. And he could do so. And then he started getting more abilities that he could put those types of things on poisons or bleeds or whatever yeah. on creatures. And all of his stuff started to synergize based on the essences he got. And I love this idea because I thought it would be really cool if as a dungeon master and a player working together, you randomly are getting your essences because the essences just drop as um, things from adventuring. So you don't always get one and they're hard to get. But when you do get one, it's like coveted. So you're out yeah. there constantly trying to find them. And I thought this would be a cool thing, Bardic Inspiration wise, because if you were my dungeon master and I got a fire essence and then I got a... Maybe I got a um, essence of the bear. Me and you at some point after the session could sit down and say, how are these things going to synergize? What is like, what are some of the things that might start to push this into? So I've got an animal essence, but I've also got a fire essence, you know, mm -hmm. fire, heat, anger, bear, big, tough, angry. Does that start leading me into like a rage ability that might start happening? Does it turn into a summoning ability that could happen? Does it do some type of like a clawed flaming claw maybe that I could, and, you know, so with you and your dungeon master, I feel like you could sit down off game and you could say, when we roll these abilities up, let's work together to come up with a cool ability that synergizes with the two. And then we're ready for next session, right? To do whatever we're going to do. I, we don't get fun. that. Whereas normally it's <laughs> yeah. a list we're picking from or somebody else has already developed it. But what <laughs> if part of the game is you working with your dungeon master to come up with what your abilities are going to look like. Almost like that bow you built, knowing how con, I, I picked up a bow that was a magic item crafted by Danimal 
for my archer. And it was, he kind of knew I was looking for something special for a bow. He kind of understands a little bit about my character. So he crafted things that are interesting and would appeal to my character. Um, and it has, and I like that. And we kind of worked a little bit together on what it looked like or some things that are there. But going, taking that one step further to say, let's work out the mechanics of what my next ability is going to be. And I just think that'd be a fun, cool idea yeah. to, to come up with. So it's essence. So it's in a book I'm reading right now. It's He Who Fights Monsters. Um, I've talked about it a little bit. It's by Shirtaloon is the name of the author. I think that's just like his pen name that he writes under. And I love this idea of you get four essences, they create a synergy, and you get abilities every now and then as you go, and they start to rank up and they get better and better. So that was that my bar inspiration. Yeah, it reminds me of two a combination of two video games. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, Magicka. Uh huh. And Final Fantasy VII with the material yeah. system. Yeah, <laughs> I think, and that's what I liked about oh, Magic is so good because you shoot those beams together and you get something different, or you know, yeah. you, you do a key combination that changes what you're doing. So I really like that yeah. too. That's a good reference. Um, no, we I'm should play Magic Two at some point. That'd be a fun game for us. I to play. Still haven't started Magic Two. I own it. Like yeah, I need a too. Thousand other games on my Steam account. <laughs> <laughs> we should play that at some time. We'll put that on the Indeed. list. So that's pretty good. That's our Bardic inspiration. We probably went a little long on both our ideas, but I just got really inspired by thinking about how you could work with your dungeon master to come up with abilities that mm -hmm. really match things and really bring out the creativity of both of you because you could both put things in and say, well, I think this should do this. And we, you know, in the level, you guys are first level. So, you know, rolling one D six or two D six makes sense, but this is what it would look like. And this is what it probably would be. And and then really collaborating together on it. I think would be that kind of reminds me of something I recently did in Theros. Actually, one of my characters is a shadow sorcerer mm -hmm. and I'm sure you're familiar oh, with, with shadow sorcerer. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, he also ended up picking the spell, crown of stars i think mm -hmm. it's called and it basically has all these motes that you can shoot out as a bonus action but one of the key things it does is it gives off light bright light mm -hmm. now as you know this is a high level campaign he has access to the shadow sorcerer ability where if he's in dim light or darkness he can teleport to different places around the map yeah but when he casts that spell he can't be in darkness anymore and he, he realized this and he's like, oh, I'm still going to try and cast it a few more times. And I'm like, do it, do it without telling him. Mm -hmm. And on the fourth time he cast it, I took um, in inspiration from him being a shadow sorcerer, as well as the basic idea of the Nyx in Theros, yep. where it was no longer a crown of stars, but a crown of the Nyx. Mm -hmm. And so now it, it still worked effectively the same, but he could control how much light it gave. And then that synergized with the way he wanted to play because he was shadow based. This yeah. spell's giving off light after casting it a few times. Now he can dim the light down. And so it's now more of a starry sky rather than mm -hmm. a bright light. Yeah. And uh, Very cool. I, it's, it's not exactly what you're saying, but it's no. similar. Well, that's funny because <laughs> in that book, in essence can be changed by a traumatic event or oh. by a character pushing to try to save somebody else. So they have one in there where he has a dragon essence and his team is about to go down. He's the last one standing and he just has to, he makes that, that extra will and his essence morphs to give him one more change in ability that made it different and he was able to save his team because of that morphing. And that's something that happens commonly, not commonly, but can happen at traumatic moments during fights in this world. And I thought that's a cool idea where you're taking in 
stuff about the character or stuff about the gods they might follow or stuff about sure. the, the events that happen in their lives and changes. You've kind of done that with, I would say, Ward a little bit too. Ward's character is a very crazy mix max of abilities that you've let him kind of weave together into this very cinematic war machine that he's turning himself into. <laughs> that's just crazy. Um, and you've kind of really given us the reins when he's done that. So that's, I like that too. So that's another good instance of that. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, go out and read that. Uh, I think you guys would like that book. Um, so bringing it back around, we got a few more minutes to go. We know about our Dungeon of the Bad Mage. We did, I was calling uh, today's idea, if I was talking with Jordan, Portals and Dragons for me today because we've been, we were messing with portals. Um, sometimes when you mess with magic, it bites you in the butt and it bit us in the butt a little bit again. Um, yeah. We think there's a dragon coming. It wasn't, you know, we, we, it still think it's a dragon at this point. We're going to have a nice big fight next week. Indeed. We'll see how that might go. Um, did your group, what their group do with the druid? Um, they were going to be a bit more, uh, political than you guys ended up. I wanted to be friendly. I had no idea we were going to, and, and I think I only did it because I can't even remember the tree, the awakened tree walked up and started saying something. And then I could tell the way Jost was leaning that I knew a fight was just going to happen and I just kicked it off. But before that, I wanted to be a friend with the druid. Yeah, sure. The the biggest (laughs) problem is... Uh, without knowing it, uh, the party was saying key words which were in her fight part of her uh, brain. Yeah. Where although you don't know it and you might never know it, she yeah. was a spurned lover of the guy who died in oh. that gravestone. Yeah. And you know that staff that can cast flowers mm-hmm. wherever, wherever it can't cast roses because roses was his family crest, oh. and he would always give her roses. But then when they broke up, she's like, I never want to see roses again. And uh, she's been deliberately single since then. And then with Yost talking about wanting like, hey, are you single? And wanting to almost romance her. And then also talking about the gravestone, bringing up his name, showing his fireball wand. It was just too much. Too much. With my my home group, they were trying to be political, but they ended up walking away for a moment and was actually just whispering back and forth and saying, okay, well, what we should probably do is just pretend we're on her side. Let her do some stuff because they have some really good deception. And they were like, and then what we're going to do is pretend that that we're on her side. Later on, once we've dealt with everything, had a long rest, we'll come in and kill her and take all her stuff. While they were standing next to an animated tree. Yeah. (laughs) But they didn't know it because you guys don't, uh, you guys didn't end up coming across that. But there's a few trees in the area Mm -hmm. that were animated. And when they said that, the trees spoke in Druidic to the Druid and a massive combat started. Different to your one, but uh, yeah. Very fun. Uh, that's cool. That's very cool. So um, I know the one last question I wanted to get to just before we jump off here was sure. um, that's my game with you. Right now I'm only playing one game. I'm, I'm definitely trying to get back to I want to start running a game again. Which one it's going to be, I don't know quite yet. You're running lots of games. So you've talked about your Theros game, the two games that you're running with us. To me, I'm almost hearing that you're playing all Dungeons & Dragons games at yeah. this point. Is that true? Yeah, I haven't actually played anything. I haven't played anything else 
properly. I've had a little yeah. dabble with Starfinder. I had a little dabble with Pathfinder, yeah. but nothing more than one or two sessions. I uh, oh, we got a raid. A raid. Um, <laughs> I haven't really played much more than um, D and D five E. Uh, my wife really is looking into uh, uh, GMing a game of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And I very much, I don't think I'll ever find a party to play with, but I've always wanted to play the Burning Wheel. Oh, I've, yeah. That's that, a big uh, one. Yes. Uh, it is <laughs> I don't think I could ever run it. I would be interested in trying to play it, but man, I don't think I would ever try tackling running it. I don't, you need a special game master yeah. for that. I, think. I agree. I would like to try, but I don't think I would do a great job but I just love the idea of the system. I, yeah. I like it very much. Uh, but yeah, I, I also really want to play Numenera. I want to play... Uh, so that was a question I was going to go to. It, so you play a ton of 5e. You love 5e. You're playing at least five different, you know, four or five campaigns at this point, planning others yeah. in the future. Yep. But is there is there another TTRPG out there that you really want to run as a dungeon master maybe in the future but you haven't got to but what's what's at the top of that list of i'm i want to run this game i think it might be numenera to be honest I love numenera. uh like i i i haven't really read many rule books outside <laughs> of i i looked a little bit into dcc because of all of uh jordan's DCCing, mm -hmm. and I've looked a little bit into the Burning Wheel because I've watched a few games online of that. Um, I've looked at Pathfinder. I don't feel like I'd ever want to run Pathfinder. I would happily play it, mm -hmm. but I, if I'm going to be running something in that vein, it's going to be 5e for sure. Yeah. Um, I could see myself running a DCC, and I could see myself running a Call of Cthulhu perhaps, but I'm trying to let my wife take the reins on that regard. She's actually one of my regular players. So she's very uh, board game and tabletop RPG focused as well. So yeah. hopefully, I think she could do a good job. Right. <laughs> so maybe last, class, uh, last question to rule out our show. <laughs> we know your son's a dungeon master at this point. How's his dungeon mastering career going? Is he still running games for people? Is he running games for his friends? Has it branched out any? How's uh -huh. that going? he's making his own homebrew world right now he wants his own he doesn't need anybody else's <laughs> it's, it's very uh it's spawned from me playing theros he was making a very realistic greek he wants to do the uh when i say his own homebrew world it's basically earth but um he wants to do the iliad he wants to do all the odysseys he he's he's obsessed with history i've never seen a kid his age obsessed with history <laughs> to the point where when we go to we play trivia every thursday night and anytime it comes to do with anything country based history based or war based we're like toby who was xerxes and darius the rulers of yeah. oh persia yeah okay cool cool, cool. thanks <laughs> <laughs> awesome so that's but, cool uh, has he been has he been gathered friends together and introduced them to role playing or is he still playing with family members at well, this point he he uh in regards to D D, he's only he's only dm uh dm dust and he does an all right job he's not he's he's not the most confident he like he wants to do something and loses confidence with it mm -hmm. but um what's interesting is he does way more role playing than i ever do because majority of the time he spends on his computer 
he's playing on these uh, alternate history games where he's playing as Germany, but they win World War II, or he's mm -hmm. playing as um, as Italy, and it's completely different Just to how the timeline game. ran. And so he's doing these like these games where it's not like there's any dice or any random chance. It's all the players who have picked these separate, separate countries make decisions. Okay, let's go down this path. Let's see what would happen. Mussolini wouldn't have done that. Oh, what's Rasputin doing? And all of those things. And it baffles me because I look at that and I'm not trying to cast any shade, but <laughs> I would not find that interesting in the slightest. <laughs> Sorry, like yeah. it's, and, and not to slight the TTRPGs no. that are out there that, uh, based around this but there is nothing left up to chance it is all just storytelling where everybody is yes ending and he loves it so much and he does so much of it and it is it is his passion he oh, nice. i wouldn't be surprised if this develops into something in the future but uh we endorse it we yeah. we uh help him out i've been getting him uh, got him some new headphones the other day so he can help uh chat a lot better with them uh it's surprising not to, uh, a lot of the i assumed a lot of the people that he'd be playing with online are older and a lot of them are because again he's only 12 but there's a few there's a couple of 14 year olds but it is mainly adults mm -hmm. and so i'm yeah, usually yeah. war within gamers earshot. Yeah. Yeah, historical i'm usually within earshot because a 12 year old with adults it's a bit <laughs> iffy but they seem to be a good lot and yeah. so so far so good that's good well awesome that's awesome i i always like when more people get introduced to the genre and like i was introduced by my friend and his older brother had brought yeah. it over one day and said hey let's try this thing and so i bet he's going to be that for somebody down the road like he's there's yeah. going to be some group of teenagers as he's like oh well i can run this game for you guys if you want to play a game and they're like all right we well, we can try it and then just be like well, that, oh that's what this is that's what all this has been like yeah. he's been introducing uh to risk to dominion to Catan, yeah. <laughs> and uh, i assume eventually it'll lead to dnd because everything in my household leads to dnd eventually to D &D, so that's, good. <laughs> that's the best way to end a saturday morning dnd show is saying that everything leads to dnd for sure there you go we got the patches got sent out by uh yep. uh mr <laughs> jordan which is super cool um so let's wrap that up well thanks so much for uh helping me out with the show today dan hey, i can't wait till our tuesday night uh role playing it's been fun everybody there for the raid that showed up we're only an hour show so you showed up towards the end i hate to do that when raids show up because we get raided every now and then but they come towards the end but we thank <laughs> you for coming and um if you want to watch this on Twitch, I'm sending the recording over to Jordan. He's going to put it up on our uh, on our YouTube channel so you can watch the video of that if you happen to miss it live. We can't wait to have Jordan back uh, next week, and we'll jump back into the regular Saturday morning D&D show. So, everybody, thanks for joining, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! I've got to hit all the buttons. <laughs> Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.